You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. European metals producer is hit with malware. Cooperative defense in cyberspace? A Ukrainian ally describes its exposure to Russian cyber attacks. Former UK Prime Minister Truss's phone may have been compromised. CISA sees a complex threat environment, but no specific threat to US elections. The Australian Defense Network sustains a ransomware attack. The three finalists in the Data Tribe Challenge share insights on the competition. Rick Howard previews the new season of CSO Perspectives and a look at threat trends. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Monday, October 31st. 2022. Arubis, Europe's largest copper smelting company, sustained a cyber attack last week, Reuters reports. Security Week notes that the incident looks like a ransomware attack, although that hasn't yet been confirmed. The company believes it was targeted as part of a larger campaign against the metals sector. It responded by shutting down certain IT systems and isolating them from the Internet. Its core industrial processes have continued to function. Arubis said the production and environmental protection facilities at the smelter sites are running and incoming and outgoing goods are also being maintained manually. Transitional solutions are being implemented to make the company's full services available to business partners again starting next week. Customers and suppliers can still reach their Arubis contacts by phone. Turning to Russia's hybrid war against Ukraine, it's well known that countries sympathetic to Ukraine have contributed weapons, ammunition, and other supplies to Kyiv's defensive war. They've also contributed cyber operational capability. The BBC was permitted a look inside U.S. Cyber Command's forward deployment to Ukraine and other countries threatened by Russian cyber operations. In their hunt forward operations, Cyber Command's teams concentrate on detecting threat activity and reporting it to their partners so the partners can themselves eject the threat actors from their networks. The combined operations the BBC described were conducted before Russia's February invasion but they continued in-country up until the eve of the invasion, at which point the team was relocated from Ukraine. While it was there, however, it contributed both to mitigation of SolarWinds exploitation and Ukraine's preparation to withstand wiper attacks. The BBC points out that 
Hunt forward missions are classed as defensive, but General Paul Nakasone, who leads both the military's Cyber Command and the National Security Agency, confirmed offensive missions have also been undertaken against Russia in the wake of the invasion of Ukraine. But he and others declined to provide further detail. Varis Taivans, deputy manager of Latvia's computer emergency readiness team, described his country's experience of Russian cyber operations since the war against Ukraine began. In a conversation with The Record by Recorded Future, he said that the rate of cyber attacks against Latvia had increased by 30% since the war began in February. The Baltic country's experience has been a familiar one. Nuisance-level state-inspired nominal hacktivism, much of it by Kilnet, has dominated the threatscape. These attacks have often shown poor intelligence preparation and often amount to nothing more than what Taiwan's characterized as PR, as in the publication of publicly available information with the claim that it had been obtained through hacking. The state organizations proper, the APTs run directly by Russian intelligence services, are of more concern, but while their aim and their planning are better than the hacktivist militias, they too seem to have concentrated more on DDoS as a means of disruption. That could change as the war situation changes. Taiwan said, We are still at a stage where kinetic warfare is a priority for the attacking nation, while cyber is only a tool for threat actors to gain some economic and political advantage or a means to support kinetic operations. Despite a lack of results so far, Ukraine, NATO, and the EU remain on alert for Russian cyber attacks on the power grid. Russian intelligence services are believed to have successfully compromised former British Prime Minister Liz Truss's personal smartphone, The Mail, on Sunday reported in an exclusive this weekend. The compromise is thought to have occurred while Ms. Truss was serving as foreign minister and continued through the summer's Conservative Party leadership campaign, according to Reuters. The BBC says that Labour and Liberal Democrat members of Parliament have called for a government investigation. This would presumably extend to how any compromise was accomplished, what information would have been compromised, and the extent to which officials use personal devices to communicate about official business. CISA Director Easterly urged election authorities to secure their systems and take steps to protect their operations from violence in what she characterized as a very complex threat environment. But she also said, CBS News reports, that we have no information about specific or credible threats to disrupt or compromise election infrastructure. The Washington Post has spoken with a range of cybersecurity experts, and they are in general agreement that disinformation and not compromise or manipulation of the vote itself is the principal challenge the U.S. faces during the midterms. So beware of seditious and bogus narratives and their amplification by the credulous, the ill-intentioned, and those just addicted to chatter. Forcenet, which The Guardian describes as a kind of internal social media platform for Australia's military, has sustained a ransomware attack. Forcenet is maintained by an external contractor, ABC reports, and that vendor initially said that no personal information had been exposed. Since that initial disclosure, however, the Australian government has begun to suspect that some private details, such as dates of birth and 
dates of enlisting may have been stolen. And finally, Deep Instinct has published its 2022 Interim Cyber Threat Report, outlining some of the top malware strains and exploited vulnerabilities they've been tracking. The majority, 44%, of ransomware campaigns were launched by affiliates of the LockBit ransomware-as-a-service offering, while 23% were carried out by the now-defunct Conti Gang. Emotet is still by far the dominant banking trojan in the threat landscape, followed by NJRAT at a distant second. The researchers also note that data theft extortion attacks are growing more efficient, stating, Ransomware attacks remain a serious threat to organizations causing business disruption and reputational damage. While it is not a new threat, ransomware has become easier to detect in the encryption phase. Threat groups are moving toward exfiltrating data earlier in their attack flows to demand a ransom for the leaked data instead of a key to decrypt. In the case of sensitive data exfiltration, there are far fewer remediation options. Several threat actors went even further, demanding a ransom from third-party companies if the leaked data has their sensitive information as well. Threat groups operating ransomware campaigns are financially motivated and have begun to develop their own markets with easy-to-use query engines to find relative data from the leaks and purchase it. We saw this play out in July 2022 by a rising star in ransom operators, Alfie Black Cat, who introduced their new leak database. So, the C2C market continues to mature. Keep your virtual eyes out for the crooks. Coming up after the break, the three finalists in the Data Tribe Challenge share insights on the competition, and our own Rick Howard previews the new season of CSO Perspectives. Stick around. Managing the requirements for modern security programs is increasingly challenging and time-consuming. Enter Vanta. Vanta gives you one place to centralize and scale your security program, quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for ISO 27001, SOC 2, and more. You can leverage Vanta's market-leading trust management platform to unify risk management and secure the trust of your customers. Plus, use Vanta AI to save time when completing security questionnaires. CyberWire daily listeners can get $1,000 off by going to vanta.com slash cyber. That's V-A-N-T-A dot com slash cyber. In the dynamic world of enterprise security, identity architects and IT leaders face a major challenge. Growth by repeated acquisitions multiplies the complexity of everything. Multiple IDPs, MFA providers, policy engines that all need to coexist. This can lead to fragmented user identities and policies that create security vulnerabilities and add access friction. Strata Identity solves this. Now you can decommission unneeded IDPs and consolidate the ones you'd like to keep without rewriting apps or disrupting users, engineers, and app owners. 
Plus, Strata's modular architecture makes it easy to integrate with any identity provider without manual maintenance and coding. Join the ranks of cybersecurity leaders using identity orchestration. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your top identity security priorities, and receive a pair of complimentary AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations with over 5,000 employees. Step into a new era of identity management at strata.io slash cyberwire. It has become an annual tradition that the folks at startup incubator Data Tribe hold their live Data Tribe challenge competition pitting three finalists against each other in front of a live audience and a distinguished panel of judges. Up for grabs are $20,000 in prize money, and for the winner, up to $2 million in seed capital. The CyberWire is a media sponsor of the event and has received seed funding from Data Tribe. The three finalists this year are Webified, Northstar, and Balance Theory. I spoke with the CEOs of each of these hopefuls, to find out what attracted them to this kind of competition. Binu Thomas is founder and CEO of Webified, a company focusing on changing user identification and digital asset certification, verification, and validation using the decentralized system of blockchain and Ethereum smart contracts. I think validation of an idea, right? Um, the validation essentially has come with the fact that we've even reached the finals, which is great. But the opportunity to present to the judges who are, you know, very well-respected individuals in the cybersecurity space, uh, other investors as well. So it gives me a true opportunity to get some sense on, hey, is this is this idea really going to take off? That's number one. Number two, I think, uh, you know, the execution. So Data Tribe is not just telling, hey, you know, yeah, so price money is great. But they're also, you know, coaching me. They're also educating me. They're also kind of opening new doors and helping me in the overall execution of, you know, moving it from, uh, it's no longer an idea. It's now a minimally viable product. It's an MVP. So how do we take that MVP and essentially make it to something that can be, you know, widely adopted and widely loved by, you know, customers and partners and everyone alike? Alex Moss is CEO at Northstar.io, a risk-based vulnerability management company. Refinement and messaging. And I would say that's number one. We're a very technical organization. And we like what we've built. And we like what we're doing. And we like to talk about it. A lot of times that doesn't translate to good marketing and good messaging. So we've worked very hard over the last year in refining our messaging and how we talk to people and kind of walking them down a, a path to understand how we can solve their problem quickly and get them to near-term ROI, but also share with them the longer vision of how we can mature the solution to continue to extract value over time. And we're already seeing the results of working with the team at Data Tribe in helping us further refine and craft that messaging so that we're able to help communicate the value not smooth over the complexity, but not highlight it when it's unnecessary. Greg Baker is co-founder and CEO at Balance Theory, a company focused on helping organizations deal with emergent threats using technology and collaboration. 
what our what our core mission is is really uniting the the world of cybersecurity in a way to operationalize that knowledge and allow people to take advantage of it for better defense that they can take to their enterprises. Um, that that is a, a type of model and a type of mission that it really requires everybody to to look at it and buy in. And whether or not you're you're somebody that's an enterprise CISO looking at securing their internal organization better than it is today or you're a service provider looking to build more intimate relationships with your clients to help them solve problems more rapidly, or you're an analyst group that is putting out thought leadership around new frameworks like Zero Trust that want to see the adoption level and help clients understand how to adopt it, higher education, the list goes on. Um, Really giving them a place to come in and build this community is key. So for us, as as much as investment is fuel to help uh, product develop faster and help strengthen the capability um, and add to that, it's really about spreading awareness and really getting additional eyes on the mission and getting additional eyes on the approach uh, to really help build and formulate this thing that's not just for us as a product company or builder, but really for the community at large. And we value everybody's opinion. We want uh, the outcome of what we're working on to be something that really drives lasting generational change for those that are really have made had made the opportunity to make cybersecurity their career and their self-mission and give them a home that allows them to learn, to share their insights, to share their knowledge and collaborate at scale and take that institutional knowledge with them throughout their life, throughout their career and throughout their journey. Our thanks to Vinu Thomas from Webified, Alex Moss from Northstar.io and Greg Baker from Balance Theory for joining us. The Data Tribe Challenge is coming up November 3rd. And it is always my pleasure to welcome back to the show Rick Howard. He is the CyberWire's Chief Security Officer and also our Chief Analyst. Rick, great to have you back. Hey, Dave. So uh, it is Halloween as we air this. Yes, and, it is. <laughs> uh, which means a couple of things. First of all, you've crawled out of your crypt. You've crept out of your cave <laughs> to join me today on, I know, what is one of your favorite holidays. It absolutely is. It totally is. It is the, the yeah. Howard event of the year. Right, yes, absolutely. right. You're, you're that guy in your neighborhood who goes all out, right? Yes, I am, yeah. Do you have your 12-foot-tall skeleton from Home Depot? I, I my wife uh, forbade me from going near that aisle. All right, so I do not have that one yet. But. Okay, I see you're, you're already you're you're fully subscribed. All right, well, fair enough. Well, but welcoming you back also means that it must be time for another season of CSO Perspectives, which of course is over on the pro side of the CyberWire. What do you have in store for us this season, Rick? Yeah, we are back. Uh, CSO Perspectives is starting its eleventh season, if you can believe that, and. The interns in the bowels of the CyberWire Sanctum Sanctorum, you know, they've been working on some (laughs) fantastic stories. One is the current state of identity. I I have an interview with the CEO of Ping, Andre Duran. And I don't know if you know this day, but he's been in the industry since the early 2000s. So he's seen a thing or two. And his vision of where identity is going is fascinating. Is there anything in particular that you're hoping to, uh, to glean from that interview? 
It's just that I wasn't, I didn't, wasn't paying attention to it. And wh where he thinks it's going to go, it's going to be much more personalized where um, he would like it to go, where we all own our own identity and we don't have to be um, captured by the big Silicon Valley giants. So it's, I, mm. I hope his vision comes to fruition. We'll see. Yeah. What else are you working on? So the interns are also working on a Rick the Toolman episode about how to apply MITRE ATT&CK in cloud environments. And this is one of my pet peeves because as an industry, uh, we just aren't very good at it. And we should be. You know, if the bad guys are going to attack us using the uh, MITRE ATT&CK sequences, why aren't they doing it in the cloud? We just don't see that much evidence of it. So we're going to talk about how we can get better at that. Is it is it cloud specifically or or is it coming up short with the MITRE attack uh, sequence in general? We just haven't seen a lot of reporting of, you know, known adversary groups like the, you know, like the bears, you know, mm. going after the cloud environments. Now, they'd have to use different techniques, clearly, right, because it's a cloud environment and not your data center. But uh, there hasn't been a lot of reporting on that. And But I think that's starting to change, and that's good news. Yeah, interesting. What else? So we also did a all-hands call to our subject matter experts that regularly come to the CyberWire's hash table. We wanted them to discuss strategies for how security newbies could become CISOs sometime in their careers. And this was actually a topic suggested by one of our listeners, and we were only too happy to oblige this guy. Yeah, that's fascinating to me. I mean, what? how many people, when they're starting out, do you think have that CISO position uh, they, how many people do you think set their sights on that? Is, do you think it's common? I don't know. You know, when I was starting, and we, uh, I always thought that that's the pinnacle. You know, if you could get to be a CISO somewhere, that's probably the highest you're going to go unless you change careers. I'm not so sure that's the case anymore, but, uh, and it's a really hard job, so it's not for everybody. So uh, in that episode, we'll try to figure out, uh, we'll try to lay out what's good and what's bad about it, and you can decide for yourself if that's what you want to be. It strikes me that with the the short tenure we see from CISOs these days and the high turnover, be careful what you ask for. Right? Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, no kidding. This yeah, absolutely yeah. true. Speaking of CISOs, um, you something that you and I talked about back at RSA were virtual CISOs, and I know you're going to talk about that as well. Yeah, uh, we both noticed this kind of thing getting ground at the RSA conference. And uh, uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about it. And I think it signifies a major shift in what CISOs, and what a CISO's job is, right? Uh, it's not there yet. You know, they're still typical CISOs that we've seen before. But this virtual CISO job, you know, basically a contractor comes in and fixes some things and then heads out the door. That's a different role. And uh, we're going to talk about that. Yeah, interesting. Uh, you've got some good interviews coming up as well. I know books are one of your favorite things in the world, and uh, you've got a, a good author you're going to talk to. Yeah, we got an interview with Andy Greenberg about his new book called Tracers in the Dark, and I just finished mm. reading this thing. It is the best cybercrime book I've read in the past 10 years, and mm. it's about how law enforcement has cracked the blockchain in general, and Bitcoin specifically was something called chain analysis. And if you thought you were anonymous using those tools, well, guess what, Dave? You're not, okay? They figured out how to do all that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so Andy covers many of the big cases that law enforcement have solved in the last five years or so. So it's just fascinating. Yeah. Andy is always uh, a good interview and, and, of course, needless to say, a great author. I look forward to hearing that one. Yeah, and so finally for this week's show, we finally got to this week's uh, agenda. We're doing a special for Veterans Day. That's Veterans, not Veterans Day, no apostrophe. 
Because according to the Department of Defense, this annual holiday is not owned by the nation's veterans. Everybody owns it. It's a day for honoring all veterans and the family and friends that support them. And our friend, Dave Elliot Peltzman, he's our senior sound engineer here at the CyberWire. He really made this one special. We're both very proud of it. And I hope everybody will give it a listen. Yeah, well, we'll definitely have to check that out. It is CSO Perspectives. It is part of CyberWire Pro, which you can learn all about on our website, thecyberwire.com. Rick Howard, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us, my friend. Thank you, sir. The Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. The Cyberwire podcast is a production of N2K Networks, proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing Cyberwire team is Elliot Peltzman, Trey Hester, Brandon Karp, Eliana White, Baru Prakash, Liz Urban, Rachel Gelfand, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Maria Varmasis, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Catherine Murphy, Janine Daly, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, Simone Petrella, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow.